Hanukon. 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 You're listening to Hanukon Podcast, highlighting citizen Potawatomi Nation issues, members, and more. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Just search Hanukon Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Paige Willett. In this episode, we'll meet CPN's new District 11 legislator, Andy Walters, and hear from a graduate student about his most recent project, ground mapping Potawatomi presence in the Great Lakes region. We'll also visit this summer's Fire Lake Fireflight Balloon Festival. Bourbonnet family descendant Andrew Walters took office as Citizen Potawatomi Nation's District 11 legislator in February 2021. Since then, he has attended all legislative meetings and submitted columns to the tribe's newspaper each month, often telling life stories of his career and travels. Walter's father served in the Army, and the family moved many times throughout his youth. While he was born in Texas, he spent three years in Japan as an infant. Walters described his mother as the epitome of Potawatomi. She taught us customs and ways, but in a very subtle way. It, it wasn't divided up between this way and that way. It was just our way. That's how our family was. So I've always been able to keep those memories and keep those lessons and, you know, the photographs and talking to other family members and uh, just kept up with it. Walter's great-great-grandmother, Mary Anderson Bourbonnet, helped establish the tribe in what is today known as Oklahoma. The Bourbonnet were one of the first four Potawatomi families who moved from Kansas to Indian Territory in 1872. Mary and her husband Antoine later bought the Bourbonnet cabin, it still stands near the Citizen Potawatomi Nation's Cultural Heritage Center, and Walters enjoys the front porch as a place of respite. He and his wife Cora were married by CPN District Judge Philip Lujan on tribal land 15 years ago. After they retired, they moved to Shawnee to live closer to the nation. I wanted to do something that I felt I had experience in and that I could contribute and being a legislator was what we moved up here for. So when I got the opportunity to do it, I, I jumped on it at both feet. Walter spent most of his 47-year career in law enforcement with the city of Oak Ridge North Police Department in Texas. He retired in 2019 after two decades as the chief of police. And one of the things I would always tell my officers was that you treat people, doesn't matter who they are, complete stranger, like they're your own brother and sister, until they prove that they don't deserve that degree of respect. Walters describes himself as thick-skinned and tenacious, with the ability to understand multiple sides of a situation. He organized emergency management during historic hurricanes, investigated the full range of crimes from petty theft to corruption. However, Walters instead ceased his career as thousands of individual times he made an effort to help those around him and do the right thing. I think the management end of it, the, uh, the last 20 years of my career, probably did more to prepare me for this than anything else did. Not saying the other part didn't, because it certainly uh, it humbles you to be a police officer at times. 
He and Cora like to travel, and the Bahamas, Scotland, Mexico, the Caribbean, London, Ecuador, Peru, and Spain are only a few places they have lived and vacationed. Traveling falls alongside their desire to learn about other cultures and an appreciation for Mother Earth. They pack up their camper and move throughout the country a couple of times a month to see somewhere new. Every place has its beauty. You just have to have, be open-minded enough to really see it and to appreciate it. You know, I always think that that's why God made more than one flavor of ice cream. You may have a favorite, but you taste the other ones just to make sure that that's still your favorite. The two also sail, and Walters took lessons in Houston more than two decades ago and earned his certification. He often brings his guitar with him on their travels, and playing music remains one of his favorite means of self-expression. His instrument collection includes guitars, a banjo, keyboards, an accordion, flutes, an auto harp, and more. Since he assumed office in February, his position as a CPN legislator now sits at the top of his list of passions, wanting to help tribal members any way possible. He encourages them to contact him with ideas and comments and participate as much as possible. It's, it's what's inside your heart that makes you Native American. And it doesn't have to be some overt celebratory act with a big sign over your head that says, I'm Native American. It has to be how you act. You know, what's in your heart? What do you care about? Email District 11 Legislator Andrew Walters at andrew.walters at potawatomi.org. Read more about him at cpn.news backslash Walters. The citizen Potawatomi Nation originated from the Great Lakes region, living and subsisting on the marshlands where fish and minomen, or wild rice, thrive. One tribal member has been working to document rice beds and other waters in Indiana. Slavin family descendant Elon Pochedli spent the last year mapping and creating an interactive historical display of wild rice's habitat and the Potawatomi's effect on the area's waters as part of his dissertation. He attends the University of Minnesota working towards his doctorate in sociocultural anthropology. The Potawatomi were active ecological agents in northern Indiana, and they were working towards the health of our non-human relatives and the health of our environments and the health of our waters, which makes complete sense because you care about those things that you're dependent on and responsible for. In the early to mid-1800s, the U.S. government took control of the area through treaties, and new infrastructure resulted in the marshlands' destruction, which were drained for farmland or dried up after the construction of dams. Pochedli sought to map its effect on Monoman over the decades. The University of Minnesota's peer-reviewed journal, Open Rivers, recently published his article and maps, Restorative Cartography of the Thaikiki Region, Mapping Potawatomi Presences in Indiana. Pochedli chose to map Indiana for familial connections. His grandfather, Robert Pearl, taught him about the family's links to the region. Their ancestor, Akwakisek, was forcibly removed, from the area on the Trail of Death as a child. The CPN Cultural Heritage Center's interactive allotment maps of Indian Territory also inspired him to show the ecological history of tribal homelands, in particular for those unable to visit. I wanted to understand more about the lives of my ancestors, and part of that was understanding the violence of removal and the farms it took, but part of it also was thinking about what can we restore, what can we rehabilitate, how can we 
close some of the geographic space that emerged as a result of Indian removal policy in the 1830s. The project forced Pochedli to learn a digital mapping program. His limited work in cartography prior to laying out the wild rice beds presented a challenge that took time to overcome. He sought information from natural resource surveys, historical documents, pioneer history, digital archives, and more, and compared them all to come up with an accurate and comprehensive look at change in the area's wetlands, lakes, and rivers. The mapping part was kind of thinking about how to make this like interactive bibliography where people can be like, oh, that's interesting. I want to learn more about this place. Here's the resource so that you can do that. Pochedli hopes people use the interactive maps as a historical resource, but also as a way for Potawatomi from all tribes to reconnect. Wetland alteration and drainage has really desecrated that area and really harmed the environments and the non-human relatives that were reliant on wetlands at the Twin Lakes Reservation. The wetlands at Twin Lakes have been depleted by 80%, so only 20% of the original wetlands remain. Mapping the wild rice beds and reading about the decrease in bird and fish populations as effects of removal became difficult at times for Pochedli. Exploring the maps he created can also be emotional, but he sees hope in current ecological restoration efforts from tribes as well as grant-funded initiatives. It also speaks to the power of ecological restoration as being not just about returning all those non-human relatives who at least historically called those places home. It's also about returning us into those networks of relationality. And I think that's part of the power of that. Pochetli's wife motivated him to submit his work to the peer-reviewed journal Open Rivers, Rethinking Water, Place, and Community. His work fit the spring 2021 edition's theme, Water Futures. The article is free and widely available on the internet. I want as many Palawami folks as possible to have access to this article and to interact with these maps, so it was a perfect platform to share my work. He hopes his work inspires tribal members to learn more, get involved in environmental initiatives, or at least visit the Great Lakes to see their ancestral lands for themselves. I can't imagine a better way of healing than to return to those places our ancestors called home since time immemorial and be able to renew those ecological networks that were damaged by the same government that effectively damaged us. Visit Restorative Cartography of the Thaikiki Region, Mapping Potawatomi Presences in Indiana at cpn.news backslash map. Citizen Potawatomi Nation hosted the fourth annual Fire Lake Firefight Balloon Festival in mid-August. This year's event included commercial and tethered rides and a balloon glow Saturday night, as well as giant inflatables, a carnival, a splash pad, vendors, food trucks, and live music with more than 20,000 people in attendance. First-time hot air ballooners Cassidy Lawson and her partner Jace Taylor could not believe it was finally time to use their voucher Taylor won three years ago in a silent auction. While they waited for a weather report before they took off, they were nervous and excited. You know, the first time we were bummed just because, you know, I wasn't able to because of weather. And then I was like, all right, you know, it's coming up. And then, you know, COVID hit. I was like, I really hope they're going to have, you know, a you know, festival and everything. And, eh, you know, they didn't. So there goes another year. And then now, you know, we're back this summer. And I don't know, just really hoping we get to go now. <laughs> Lawson remained optimistic. 
I'm just excited for the new adventure of it, just saying I've rode a hot air balloon before. One of the event's main coordinators, CPN employee Kelly Francine, was excited for the event as well after last year's cancellation due to the pandemic. This year's Firefly Balloon Festival was the tribe's first large gathering since the coronavirus hit the United States. If you're going to kick kick off events, let's kick it off with a hot air balloon festival. The Oklahoma City Metro found all kinds of fun at CPN's powwow grounds, and the tribe, its employees, and volunteers came together to provide a unique experience. As one of the event's organizers since its inception in 2017, Francine feels it quickly became an anticipated part of People's Summer. I like the um, community coming together, and I love that the tribe is able to put on such a beautiful event for the community. Hot air ballooning itself has deep familial roots, often passed on from generation to generation. Hot air balloon pilot Michael Scott learned to fly after his father caught the piloting bug and bought one when Scott was only 10 years old. I thought everybody's parents had a balloon. Scott went on his first solo flight and got his hot air balloon license on his 16th birthday and then passed his driver's license test a few weeks later. Uh, it's taken me a lot of places. I've flown in 37 states, four foreign countries. Um, I've flown to an elevation of 17,600 foot above the surface of the earth. My longest flight's 318 miles. Scott has piloted at Fireflight Balloon Festival every year since it began. He enjoys the community aspect of CPN's event, but also likes that it's a little closer to home. A lot of pilots in the central part of the United States, this is one of the events that they've heard good things about that they want to come experience for themselves. The 2021 Balloon Festival attracted pilots from Oklahoma, Missouri, Kansas, Texas, and California, including Erica Luster. It was her first time in Oklahoma and her first time flying her balloon in the evening. It's usually too hot on the southern west coast. So it's nice to, you know, just see different uh, cities and fly in different places and meet other pilots and, yeah. Fireflight balloon maestro Chris Savia got his license in 1995. He always looks forward to new experiences, and watching others take their first ride is a highlight of hot air ballooning for him. You know, hot air ballooning is amazing. No matter what it is, when we land or take off or flying or whatever, it, it turns children of all ages into kids. So big or little, they, everybody puts, gets a smile on their face. Taking a balloon ride was on CPN employee Lucinda Lewis's bucket list, along with zip lining, hand gliding, and tandem jumping from an airplane. This year, she received a trip up in the skies as a gift. Lewis has attended other hot air balloon festivals and even wore a pair of earrings shaped like hot air balloons she purchased at one while she rode. I love to watch them. I love the different colors and the sounds they make and stuff, you know. Hot air balloon rides are much more peaceful than thrilling, but Sabia said they are exhilarating in their own way. Um, the very best way to describe it is kind of like standing on the sidewalk and watching the world pass by you. You, you know, you're down in the valleys, up in the treetops, that kind of thing. So you're kind of above the world, and it's a nice, slow, easy, gentle movement. It's, it's very peaceful, very serene. Another festival fan favorite is the balloon glows. The balloons inflate and remain on the ground, showing off their colors as the propane torches light up the inside. Sometimes they glow in unison or in patterns. Sabia said besides the gorgeous aesthetics, it's a great experience for attendees, especially for those who can't fly. 
it allows us to interact with the public a little bit as well um, because then the people can come up to the balloons and talk to the pilots and that sort of thing. So that, that's a, a good, a fun part for us to do. Fire Lake Fireflight Balloon Festival welcomed 23 pilots and their aircrafts for the 2021 event, and more people attended than ever. After descending back to the Earth from their ethereal voyage, Cassidy Lawson and Jace Taylor said their three-year wait paid off. Definitely worth it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was right it. timing. Perfect. Perfect pilot. Yes. Perfect, perfect pilot. crew. Yeah. Had a blast. However, Francine knows an event planner's work is never really done. Almost as soon as the festival is over, we immediately start thinking about the next year's festival. Find information on the 2022 Fire Lake Fireflight Balloon Festival at firelakeballoonfest.com. Follow the event on Facebook and Instagram at Fire Lake Balloon. It's time for learning language when the CPN Language Department joins us to teach vocabulary, songs, stories, and more. In this segment, Department Director Justin Neely teaches some words helpful in describing the summertime. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some summer words today and uh, maybe elaborate a little bit on some of their meanings. Zamate, it's unbearably hot. Zamate. That zam kind of means like there's too much of something, and that ate indicates the sun is kind of making it happen. So, like you could say, nagi zam wisen, I ate too much, or uh, you can use that zam like zam waseyam get, it's too bright. Gjatem get, it's hot. Gjatem get. This is a word that's definitely uh, recognizable here in Oklahoma. We have many, many days that are gajatem get. But again, you'll notice that ate in there. That ate is indicating the sun is kind of making it happen. And in Potawatomi, we actually have a different word for hot if you're talking about like an object. Like if the stove was hot, it's gajadam get. Gajadam get versus gajatem get. Uh, pastam get. Pastam get means it's sunny. Pastam get. And we actually have a lot of words for sunny, maybe because sunny is such a positive thing. I mean, you got to realize we lived in the Great Lakes area, and we had a lot of cold, cold months. And so when you have a nice sunny day, it's, it truly is a blessing. Or you can say menwa day, which kind of means it's a good good sunny day or it's good light. Um, you can also say waseyam get, so different words for talking about it's sunny. Pasteke, pastege is to sunbathe or to, to get a tan, if you will. And you see that, that K-E at the end, you'll see that on the end of a lot of words to kind of describe that you're doing something with that object or with that concept. In this sense, you're, you're doing something with the fact that it's sunny. He or she plays ball. Now this one is very kind of general. Uh, it, can be, it can be talking about playing pool. It can be talking about like softball. It can be talking about... Um, any type of ball, really. It could even be golf if you wanted. I mean, now you can get more specific on some of those. Like you can add like a nok to bogjage to say soft, literally playing softball, nok bogjage. But certain words are kind of dependent on the situation. Like they make sense in that moment, like how you're talking about them. Majinkawan. Majinkawan is a glove, a ball glove or a mitten. Now this same word would be the same word you would use when talking about like putting on a mitten, like 
you could put them on like in the winter time. You could be talking about like it's cold out. I'm gonna put my mittens on, but you could also be talking about a ball glove. You can say Majinkawan, or maybe if you want to be real specific and make it really clear, you could add a Pequaquit Majinkawan, literally ball glove. Pequaquit Majinkawan. Dekiak, Dekiak is ice cream. Dekiak, and Dekiak is a funny little word. It actually literally means like that cold thing. Is <laughs> literally what it means, but. It, it's used for ice cream, and it's always been used for ice cream. So, um, but literally, it could be another type of cold, cold dessert or cold, cold item. But um, guedemochke, guedemochke means he or she fishes. Guedemochke, and you can get real specific with fishing too. You can talk about the style that you're fishing, whether it's ice fishing's a different different word, whether you're maybe fishing with a net. Um, but this is just your basic, you know, throwing the the line out and fishing. Guedemochke. Way to relax uh, during that zamate, those unbearably hot days, those zamate. So, doing a little guedemochke. Pabmadzuan. Pabmadzuan is a trip. Pabmadzuan. And Pabmadzuan literally is talking about like living here and there, kind of living about is what it's really meaning. Um, you know, when we took trips in the old days, it was more like we were changing camps. You know, we'd have a summer camp, a winter camp. We didn't really have time to, you know, go to Florida <laughs> in the wintertime and come back up and things like that. So when we took trips, it was more like living about here and there and living in different locations. Uh, Nieben, Nieben is summer, Nieben. And Nieben literally means it's a time of plenty. Obviously, in the summertime, again, we lived in a very harsh environment in the Great Lakes where the summer was a blessing where you were, hey, you could get plenty of game, get plenty of food. Versus those winter months where, you know, game was going to be scarce, where if you didn't store up enough uh, seed or enough uh, provisions, then it was going to be a hard, really hard winter for you. So, Nibin was that time of plenty, Nibin. And the final word we're going to go through here is Nidiyabiedis. I'm lazy, Nidiyabiedis. You always think of those lazy days of summer, Nidiyabiedis, just kind of laying back and relaxing, maybe pasteke, doing a little sunbathing, you know. Maybe Pabmadzuan, going on a Pabmadzuan, a trip. Just go on vacation and things. Nidiyabiedis. I'm lazy. Just being lazy. Ow. Yo. For more information and opportunities with language, including self-paced classes, visit cpn.news backslash language. You can find an online dictionary at potawatomidictionary.com, as well as videos on YouTube. There are also Potawatomi courses on the language learning app, Memorize. Hanukkah Podcast is produced and brought to you by Citizen Potawatomi Nation's Public Information Department. Our director is Jennifer Bell. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find what you listen to. We're also on Facebook at Citizen Potawatomi Nation and on Twitter at C underscore P underscore N. Visit us on the web and find digital editions of the tribal newspaper at Potawatomi.org. That's P-O-T-A. W-A-T-O-M-I dot org. Until next time, I'm Paige Willett. Miigwech Nikanek, Bamamina. Thank you, friends. See you later.